Oh, yeah. Check, check, cash, my check. <laughs> hey, this is uh, Michael Rosso. I'm here in the studio with Matt Mirage. Hey, how's it going, guys? And Leslie... Lo- Leslie... <laughs> <laughs> Leslie Lauren Baby? Leslie Lens Baby. There you go. Wow, what's going on? I don't know. It's just a mouthful of L's, isn't it? Leslie Lazenby. <laughs> Hello, Leslie, everybody. do you have like a sweater with a big L on it? <laughs> no, Laverne took that. Oh, she did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're here at the FPP. Uh, this is Film Photography Podcast. If you hear me coughing, it's because of uh, the uh, peanut slabs. <laughs> slabs. Which I believe have officially disappeared now. Slabs. They're gone. Oh, my gosh. There's a reason they're gone. There's a reason they're, they're gone. gone. They were the most excellent slabs I've ever tasted. Who, who sells those slabs? I, you know, that was the uh, best peanut slab I've ever had. I think the slabs were Chris Nielsen from New Zealand. Oh, my God. Thank you, Chris. Those were... The pineapple lumps came from... Uh, lumps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is uh, FPP 98, March 1st, 2014. Thrilled to be here. Thrilled to have you guys here. Thrilled to have you guys, people listening, out here, in here, with me, with us. Here in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about our love for vintage photography magazines. Uh, we're going to be having a Olympus XA Palooza <laughs> giveaway. Topcon. That sounds like a, Movie. I don't know, it sounds like a, like a... Was that Tom Cruise? Yeah, Tom oh, yeah. Cruise movie. Yeah. Top Con. Top Con. <laughs> Sounds like a Tom Cruise joint. We're going to be having talking about Top Con. We have two Top Con cameras. Matt's going to be talking about why you should have insurance. <laughs> Both Matt and Leslie have, you know. Theft issues. Yeah. Breaking down. It's theft issues. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're going to have listener letters and a lot more right after this. Swinger, the incredible new low-priced Polaroid land camera for black and white pictures in 10 seconds. Meet the Swinger, the incredible new Polaroid land camera for 1995. It talks to you. Swing it up and take a look. Then turn the knob until it says yes, right in the viewfinder. Okay, you've got the right setting. Ten seconds later, you zip off a perfect black and white picture. The swinger freezes action. It's always in focus. And it gives you beautiful close-ups. Incredible, especially at 1995. Hey, me, Take the shot, count it down, zip it off. Hey, the swinger, 
Hey, we're back. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. Man, you look very well today. Oh, well. <laughs> Weather, the winter, you know, winter was wearing us all out. Sick, not sick. Ice, no ice. 50 degrees, 5 degrees. Ping-ponging. So what's on ping-pong? <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, get right into a listener letter. Alrighty. Why not? Why not? Love notes from listeners. This is from Jeremy. Everyone wants to see his Flickr name. J.W. Tudor 45. You guys know him? Jeremy's last. Jeremy Tudor, Nashville, Tennessee. Oh. Uh, he says, Love the podcast. I'm a longtime listener, film user. I've been... Test, test. Hello, hello. <laughs> I've been shooting... I've been shooting 35mm contacts G1 and medium format Mamiya 6MF. You know that camera? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. For quite a few years, and I will be entering the world of LF soon. Ooh. Large format. Smiles. I backed the Wanderlust cameras last year. Oh, great. And should be receiving the two different travel-wide bodies soon. Oh, we got both of them. Wow. Yes. Now, uh, Matt, what is, what is Wanderlust and what are the travel-wide bodies? What is that? A Flickr contact of mine, Ben Syverson, and his buddy, they own a little company called Wanderlust Cameras. Yep. And they started putting out uh, digital pinholes. So, pin like, pinhole lenses for all sorts of digital micro four-thirds bodies, things like that. Ben, being a huge fan of of large format cameras and just all sorts of funky, small, cool cameras mm-hmm. um, decided to make a compact 4x5 camera that you could travel along with. And in doing so, they came with uh, they came out with theirs on the Kickstarter. Right. And they had a 65mm and a 90mm wide-angle camera. Right. They got back almost instantaneously. It was a, a it was huge a big deal. success. It was such a big success that the lenses they recommended putting on those cameras... We're also sold out all across the board. You can't get a hold of them anymore. Still? Still, yeah. So it was a huge project. I'm glad to see that we have some FPP listeners that are going get, to get to try those out. I did not get in on that in time, so. But I did promise Ben as soon as he starts the 8x10 project, I'll be buying a couple of those. Ben? Who could it be? Ben! <laughs> hey, it's Mark Dalzell! Hey! Hey, he brought a skateboard. Brought you a box of cookies. What's what? Oh, oh my those. god! Hey, uh, Mark, wanna hold that over, uh, Dusty's head? I'll hold it over her head. What? What are these? What is that? Are you, are you recording? Yeah. That's why I was Oh my god! <laughs> and they're Cadbury's. Listen, listen. Jeez. seriously. Why don't we just make it a. The can- candy podcast. We could do the, yes. I wonder if they're a confectionery podcast. There have to be. Yeah, there have to be. Yeah, there have to be. <laughs> hey, Mark. Hey, you Mark. look well today. Yeah, how you feeling? Mac, uh, Mac, <laughs> Mac Dalzell just walked in. <laughs> oh, uh, well, we just started uh, recording. Oh, and uh, I didn't even get my cameras out yet. No, no. And we're just in the middle of a, a listener letter. Uh, a while back, there was a Wanderlust. We're talking about Ben's Wanderlust camera. Do you remember that yeah. Kickstarter? It was like a plastic. Yeah, four by five. Yeah, no, yes. was it four by five? Yeah, it's four yes. by five. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was cool. So, so Ben. Yeah, Ben Syverson <laughs> and uh, and his buddy at Wanderlust Cameras started the Travel Wide Four by Five project. Huge success. I'm glad Whoa. to see some FPP listeners are getting in on it, Great. and uh, can't wait to see. Folks' results with them because the you know they're using actual sharp four x five lenses. Yeah. It's not just a pinhole; you can use lenses on it too. So, Matt, what does Jeremy have to say? I might not be able to answer this one, Mike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm. Uh, looks like he wants mm. simple. 
What I was looking to be able to do is have some similar functionality that full-size 4x5 cameras have, Fresnel, uh, Fresnel lens ground glass, since it looks like focusing with the travel wides is going to be a crapshoot. I've purchased a couple of Blick rangefinders, but they don't seem to be all that spectacular. Do you know of any better and cheap rangefinders to use, or do you know anyone that makes a 4x5 film holder that is hollowed out and has a Fresnel in it that will allow similar functionality? Whoa. Yeah, Matt, do you know what? What? I, I don't. Coffee? I, I don't really... <laughs> I don't know of anything in the 4x5 world that is really a quote-unquote cheap rangefinder, because if you want a good rangefinder, you're going to have to shell out for it. Right. The best a cheap rangefinder? A cheap rangefinder for 4x5. Now, the lens is... Judge distance to set your camera. Yeah, because okay, the... Okay, then the, you go to the hardware store, and you get these little things that shoot out a distance and measure for... Um, uh, carpenters? A laser tape measure. A laser tape measure, and you get one that's in inches. Yeah, and, the, and that'll work? That Why wouldn't it? It's going okay. to take exactly the footage that you need, or I suppose the meters, and maybe $125 now. I don't know how that compares with... That's probably about the same price you'd be paying for a, a decent rangefinder because okay. the two lenses that those travel wides use are 90 millimeter and yeah. and 65 millimeter. So honestly, at that wide angle, you're not finding too much between the three and six foot range, and after that, you're getting close to sure. infinity range. If you're just looking for a rangefinder, I mean, I have a bunch of little old rangefinders that I get on eBay that you know that just are designed to fit on the accessory shoe of mm-hmm. any old zone focus camera that that works. Yeah, and, the, you and get these those for ten bucks. Yeah, and I know the the travel wide ha- has the accessory shoe on it, so oh, that yeah. should, that yeah, should yeah, be so no problem. Yeah, if you just do a, a Google search for the for rangefinder, you'll find a bunch of old. Off the top of my head, I can't think of any of the names of any of the ones I've got, but. Zuiko, I think, had one, and there's all kinds of... So yeah. this letter really is a great... Uh, it kind of really sets us up for, you know, one of our uh, monthly segments, which is called The LF Report. Oh! Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, I've got, actually got a customer at my store who's a guitar player, but he knows that I'm doing the photography stuff, uh, and he just kind of came in out of the blue on Saturday and said, I'm, you know, I'm looking to do some large format. What, what would you recommend for... Like an 8x10 camera that I can use out in the field that's pretty compact and folds down and it won't break the bank, you know, maybe two or three thousand. I'm, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I have no idea whoa, what you're That's, that's a great topic. Yeah, it's, it's out of my realm of expertise, but I, I knew I'd be talking to Matt today, so. Yeah, so, hey, so now this guy must have been doing it a while. I mean, 8x10, he's jumping right into it. Yeah, well, full I, deep end. I don't have a lot of the, the backstory, but I know he said he did do it in school and he did a lot of developing. Okay. And the reason, and my first question is, was why not 4x5? You know, why are you trying to dive into 8x10? And he said the primary reason is so he can do contact prints. Okay, that's fair. But that was really the only only reason he could give me. But, um, but you know, but yeah, he's got experience with developing. And with okay. Things, so. Well, I would say, that, you know, two to 3,000, that's a good range. Is he looking for camera only or for everything in that range? Most likely everything. He'll need everything? a lens and everything. Okay. Yeah. Um, might be a little harder, but here's some good uh, cameras in that range. You can find an old used uh, Deerdorf 8x10, usually for less than $2,000. Look uh, anywhere on like eBay, a uh, large format photography forum, you know, honestly in New England. Uh, Craigslist, you can find quite a few there as well. And that's an old uh, wooden field camera. The, it's the New England, is the, you mean like that's a company? or No, 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 no. As in the, just like there happen to be a bunch of 8x10s in the Northeastern United yeah, States? Yeah, no. yeah. There just happen to be a lot that you can find. Oh. An old Deerdorf would be something good in that range. Uh, the field, wooden field camera I have, uh, Takahara, those are really good to find. I know uh, the place I rep for, Midwest Photo, they sell Takahara's brand new, uh, a great way to get a brand new 8x10. Um, other than that, in that price range, you're looking at one of the Chinese camera manufacturers like Shenhao or Chamonix. Uh, they make a really nice 
quality, light, compact, easy to, to use 8x10. And the Takahara, Shenhao, and Chamonix, those all use uh, Sinar lens boards. So those will be easy to uh, find lenses for and find the lens boards for. They're ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference between those two styles of cameras is just how the focusing rails work. They end up being, the Deerdorf and the Takahara end up being a couple pounds heavier than the other two styles of camera. Otherwise, very light compared to 8x10 monorail cameras or the beast of a 4x5 you have right there. <laughs> that thing is like a tank. One of those four would be in the good starting range. If you wants to go cheaper, you can find an old wooden Kodak 2D or like my old Eastman commercial. Those have a lot less functionality, but they'll definitely get the job done for you. Cool. Okay. So, And then as far as lenses, um, just like any other camera, a standard lens is always going to be your cheapest lens. So on an 8x10, that's something like a 300 millimeter lens. And that l- those will probably run you three $400 at, at the cheap end of it, 1000 at the high end of it. And then your film holders, those run $50 a piece used, $200 a piece new. That was the one thing. I Yeah, I, I forgot about it for myself when I bought my 4x5. Is I actually got this for $25 and then spent about 60 on a handful of holders for it. So. Oh, yeah. That adds up. It adds up very, very quickly. And then that's not even including film. Film's probably going to be the well, more yeah, expensive part for too. <laughs> Bottom line, in, in review, bottom line, you got two, three, th- two, three K to spend. Mm-hmm. Where do you go? Um, I would I would look on the used market first for something like a Deirdorf or Takahara. Those are great, solid wooden cameras. Uh, you can find a lot of lenses for real cheap. Some places I would recommend going, aside from eBay, uh, the Large Format Photography Forum. They have a great buy and sell thread. Yep. Uh, you don't have to go through any of the fees or any of that stuff. From Guys who've been taking like care you. of their cameras. Oh, they baby it, yeah. yeah. And there's always good stuff for sale, especially 8x10s, because there's guys who are getting too old for it. They want to move along, so you can get stuff real, real cheap. Uh, it's usually where I buy my lenses. Or you can go APUG, APUG.org. There's always guys on there selling that stuff, too. Usually the same guys are on Large Format Forum. So those are some good places to try. Um, and if you're you know, a trusting kind of person, eBay is a good place to go to. I've had good luck on eBay. Yeah, yeah me too. That's really where have. I got uh, my... Um, Wista? The Crown Graphic? That's where I yeah. got my Crown oh. Graphic. Yeah. And it was... I mean, if you just read the details on the uh, the bay, there's no problem. The, the, it was, the uh, Crown Graphic was owned by a photographer, an older gent, mm-hmm. who boxed it. He doesn't shoot anymore and just wanted to pass it along. But when you're looking for a large format, basically, I mean, if it doesn't have a lens, really, the only thing that you really are concerned about are the bellows leaking but otherwise there's not too much to it right yeah um there's and even that um and you can fix the bellows but i mean just you know on some of them on some of them the bellows are cheap to replace on others they're they're kind of tricky to replace honestly the like the newer shenhauer chamonix if you buy one of those brand new which is going to be in the 23 to 2500 dollar range the bellows on those guys you just just they're just like the scenars they pop right out and you can place a new one in there's no glue or anything involved oh, that's nice. and those bellows are 150 bucks a piece which is honestly in the world large format pretty cheap bellows <laughs> which kind of smoothly transitions right into the camera in front of you which have we ever really discussed on the shoe no no we haven't now i <clears throat> i've probably been shooting with this as much as you yeah i, I yeah because it's I don't take my cameras out anymore. I just use marks. <laughs> I don't know why. Just steal all my equipment. Take a pack, of, a couple of film holders, load it up. Maybe uh, Mark want to purchase a uh, FPP black cloth. Maybe. <laughs> I have I have a piece of my the chunk of velvet that I carry around. No, with no, 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 no. That isn't happening. And it looks like I have a. Oh, a look at that! You look like a magician. A snazzy scarf as I'm walking around, and I can pull that over. So, if you're shooting large format, for folks listening. Who have not shot shot large format? It can look or feel in, intimidating, right, Matt? 
Oh, definitely. But at the end of the day, it's you know, it's just a box. It's the same thing. It's a camera with a yeah. shutter. It, yeah, it's the most simple kind of camera you can it's get. A it's a little bulkier. Camera with a shutter with an ounce of discipline. Uh, oh, right. there you go. Yeah, yeah. you got to have a little, you got to slow down. Have that ounce of discipline. What Set you, things up. Was that an iProduct, Mark? No, oh, I'm an Android okay. guy. So I have all these uh, light meter apps for Only iPhone. iPhone. Only for iPhone. Shh. <laughs> iPhone 4 and 4S even. New View, that's N-E-W-V-U-E, New View 4x5 camera. It has, has a... Made by... New, new, the new is Newton. Oh, it has a Nick Raypax lens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is that? Raypax, R-A-P-A-X. What kind of lens is that, Matt? That's the shutter, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. what do I know? Yeah, the, the <laughs> lens is actually... A wall and sack. Uh, yeah, a yeah, wall and sack. Like uh, a 127 millimeter 4.5. Yeah. This is a fairly it's standard lens. Pretty standard, for, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a wide standard lens. You now, can find those on Crown Graphics. How? Yes. And, and Mark, I'm assuming you put that beautiful bubble on top. That was on there when I bought it. I don't know if that's original, but it's got a bubble level like epoxyed onto. It the, looks newer. Everything yeah. looks new, yeah. and I mean, this is certainly not a shiny camera, but it looks well cared for. I I don't know what. It also has a really beautiful piece of. KB Canem. Oh yeah, that's pretty new. Glass on the back. Yeah. yeah, that's. So I don't know when this was last used, but it does have the whole. The whole thing is painted in this sort of brown, olive drab, crackled, and this military is a, looking paint. Like yeah. it looks like. What well, does this mean that a piece was bought for it, or did Mr. Keith Canem himself actually hold this? Camera? No, you can purchase those oh, pieces can, separate. Um, I actually called him. Oh, you th- did. Th- this has got so many grid lines on it that it's actually kind of distracting when I'm trying to focus with it. They have one without grid lines, yeah. They don't. They don't? Because I actually called and I asked them. Uh, asked them the front well, tell me about that conversation. Hey, KB, how's it going? <laughs> no, I just called and said, you know, I'm looking for, I called the company and said, I'm looking for a piece of non-gridded 4x5 ground glass. And they said they don't do it. They only have the gridded stuff. Oh. But yeah, this, this piece of glass, I think they said is about 50 bucks. Oh, call Midwest Photo. They have ones that don't have grids on them. Yeah, I just haven't gotten around to it. It's just, yeah. it's slightly distracting to shoot because I don't, I don't know what all these little delineations or four if it was used usually for, usually it's just for keeping straight lines straight so when you're doing yeah. your movements to make sure that your buildings don't get wonky lines this one just seems to have some extras but yeah, yeah those I, extras look like for either, identification um, either, pictures or portraits or i don't know what yeah the only time i've ever seen lines like that was for places that were doing uh, for commercial places and they wanted to make sure your your lines for your heads were all the same so right. like there was enough head space for everyone at the top of the photo yeah. For consistency's sake, but that's I've never seen those lines before. We're talking about uh, what do you call that thing? The ground glass, glass. <laughs> focusing glass, the ground glass in the back of the camera that under the cloth you'd be looking through. On Mark's particular camera, it has tons of grid lines on it. The lens came with it, Mark. The the lens or the glass? Both. Yeah, yeah. This this is exactly how it came. And how how much degunking did you have to do, or were the, were the bellows that clean when you got them? The bellows are pretty much excellent. Uh, the The shutter was sluggish, okay. but I but I took that apart and cleaned it up, and it's good as new. The the glass is crisp and clear. The the ground glass on the back looks brand new. And you taken this out in broad daylight and shot, and there's no leaks or anything. No. Yeah, we shot it at Ring, Ringwood Park there yep. that time, and uh, yeah, we've shot it in the studio. It's great. Yeah, it's it's. And it's a pretty you- tough little camera. It's all cast aluminum. It's got a, a rotating back on it. It's got every movement you mm-hmm. could want. Rise, the- tilt, shift, caps lock, everything. And you you swooped in on eBay and you bought it now? Yeah, this was a $25 buy it now. Ooh, great deal. Did the auction say, don't know if it works? It said, 
it essentially said, I think this is a camera. Like, it was obviously someone's storage locker or yeah. something. Someone's just happy to so, get rid of it. Yeah, but for 25 bucks, I, you know, there, was a couple, there were a couple good pictures, and I knew for 25 bucks, the ground glass alone was yeah, worth, worth the buy. Oh, so yeah. I took the chance, and the bellows are excellent on it, so no regrets. Nice yeah, it's definitely a, a monorail-style camera. Um, real, really solid-looking. What's that weigh, like seven, eight pounds? feel like that not that bad maybe no? six ish six okay because it is aluminum that's, it's yeah not it's pretty hefty for steel, a four by five yeah but. it's it's solid but um yeah it's got yeah a lot of good i haven't really played around at all with any of the movements but yeah full and and all i've stuff. gone to smooth it's usually at the smooth studio right yeah usually it just lives on a tripod in the corner there you and go. Get it out of the way. I, you know rather than lugging my cameras out i've just been just going to smooth with yeah. film holders yeah. loaded with film and been shooting and really kind of enjoying it thank you mark sure yeah yeah, I'm glad it's getting some use. So <laughs> it'll be at the Smooth tonight. If we remember to bring it back after we're done. Yeah, here I'm going to yeah. shoot with it tonight. Yeah, definitely. I have some film with me today, actually. I have. We'll some have to film load up. Yeah, I have load some up film some as well. uh, holders. What else do we what, uh, do? We cover it on this or uh, on this one? Yeah, pretty much. I don't think there's much else to say. It's a it's a tiny company. It's hard to find any information about. Uh, you know, I tried to do a little research on it, and it's gotten some numbers. Newton. Oh, that's what's is that? What's Newton Photo Products? Isaac Newton. It's very old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, this it just says yeah. Newton Photo Products, Los Angeles, California, model VC two, which is just view camera model two. So. Interesting. Do you think these cameras were used in institutionals like schools to take portraits, like schools, libraries, police station? Like, would any of these use institutional? Um, if that was institutional, I would say that it would be more on the industrial or like military end. If anything, just because of how heavy duty it, it is. Yeah, I can't imagine where. <laughs> Um, most of your like yeah. your most of your school cameras and portrait studio cameras were actually eight by tens that had reducing backs on them that could do multiple portraits per per holder. But yeah, that guy looks so heavy duty. I, I can't imagine it would be in uh, in like a school institution. Right. It does look very military, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Just that crackled brown I, paint. I, I yeah, it looks yeah. very World yeah. War Two. Well, it was made in the late forties, so I guess. So, what advice would would anyone who wants to jump in? What advice would you give for someone who's you know been shooting and wants to jump into large format, wants to jump into four by five specifically? How to buy? Like, I know so many people go for the crown graphic. Yeah, we we kind of we kind of. I mean, it's a workhorse. It's it's a workhorse, but it all really depends on what you're trying to do with large format too. If you're just doing kind of the shoot uh, shoot from the hip, or you're doing portraits or anything kind of straight on, you don't. You're you're not looking to do too many movements. Right. The crown graphic is great. If you are looking to do more of the architecture side of things, landscapes, anything where you're applying lots of movements with the camera, you need a camera that has those movements. Uh, if you're looking for something light, you'd be looking toward the field camera side of things. If you're looking for something to do tabletop studio work that has a long bellows draw, can do a lot of silly movements compounding on each other, you want a monorail camera, kind of like Mark's here. And basically, from from the crown graphic, which is like your cheapest starting point, you're paying more of a premium to get some of those functions. So if you want a lighter camera, you're paying a little bit more. You want more movements, you're paying more on top of that. So from a starting point, the crown graphics are great. But as you kind of figure out what you want out of large format you the camera kind of goes with it right i like this one because it's kind of quirky and different so that's my style but that you just made me think of another question talking about monorail talking about the that email or the the, the question from my customer mm-hmm. um he had mentioned that he wanted to get the most compact thing he could he could and i thought i had read online somewhere people talking about using field field large format field cameras that they didn't need macro ability to mm-hmm. actually cut their monorails down have you heard of that hmm. i've heard that they'll because when you you know when you focus at infinity I've got an extra couple of inches of rail on the front. Yeah, that I can just chop that off. Oh well, there were yeah. So 
um, for folks in the, the field camera side of things, they were actually, for folks that knew they weren't going to use in the 4x5 longer than a 90 millimeter or an 8x10 longer than the 200 millimeter range, they'd actually have a dedicated wide-angle field camera. I know that Takahara made one, Deerdorf made one, and I believe Chamonix and Shenhao both make cameras that are dedicated wide-angle cameras, mm. and they don't they don't draw out they're any, just any like more pocket-sized, large format cameras. Yeah, they're actually, and they don't even fold. They're just they're already ready to go. Oh. The, the bellows can only draw out a little bit more. And then for the monorail side of things, yeah, they did actually physically cut those um, a lot of the time because the rail was. I think the base rail on a lot of the monorail cameras was like six or eight inches, and that was far too long, especially with. Uh, with the 4x5 side of things. Right, yeah. Cool. This has been the uh, Large Format Report. Hey, you know what? Let's take a listen to uh, a little spot we recorded a while back where Matt talks about, you know, because people always ask, where do I send my film for processing? Where do I send my sheet film for processing? The darkroom, of course. Matt, take it away. Hey there, FPPers. Did you know the darkroom.com now offers sheet film processing? Sheets. That's right. 4x5 and 8x10, black and white, C41, E6 processing. Nice, flat rate. Check them out, thedarkroom.com. Click on Sheet Film Processing. Fill out your form. Ship it in. They'll process it. Send it back. Lickety split. They have excellent customer service. They do a great job. Consistent, dependable, thedarkroom.com. Check them out today. Yo. Do you ever have one of these? A good old box camera? When I was a kid... Dad would get us all outside, he'd make us pose facing the sun, then holler, hold it, everybody, hold it, then click, got it, I hope. Well, picture taking is a lot easier, more relaxed now, especially flash pictures. In fact, indoor picture taking is as easy as shooting outdoors. Watch this. daughter gets up to dance, that can be a memorable moment. And when a moment you want to remember pops up, pop on the new Sylvania Blue Dot Flash Cube to make sure you get all the action. With Sylvania's new invention, the Blue Dot Flash Cube, you can now take four flash pictures without changing bulbs and capture for another day all those great pictures that used to get away. And you can be sure you'll get the shots you want because Sylvania's famous blue dot is right there on each bulb. For regular cameras, always get Sylvania blue dot flash bulbs. For new flash cube cameras, get blue dot flash cubes. Sylvania blue dots for sure shots. Great, isn't it? Easy and fun. Whether it's with flash cubes, which by the way, Sylvania invented really something, or flash bulbs, both with Sylvania's famous blue dot. And remember what the man said, that blue dot is your assurance the bulb is good. It's so easy to capture those great moments, not just the special occasions, but all the fun things that happen every day in your home. Can you really afford to miss them? So keep your camera handy along with blue dots from Sylvania, a member of the GT&E family of companies. Missed any good memories lately? The Film Photography Podcast, as you know, has its own online store, and I like to answer some questions. You know, I get a lot of emails, and some of the most common email questions are, Will you ship it to me? Yes, we will. We certainly ship. And of course, everyone that emails me is from outside the United States, so uh, the FPP store will ship internationally. Most folks want to know, well, how much will it cost? It is based completely on weight. 
So whatever you're purchasing, that will be calculated by the site directly with the United States Post Office to come up with your price. International shipping can be pricey, but it's sort of a scale. So if you order one item, if you live in Finland and you mm-hmm. order an item and you see that the shipping's over $10, for that one item you're buying, if you bought three, the shipping would be probably the same, especially film, because film is one roll versus three roll, fits in the same shipping weight category. Well, I actually think it's great because a lot of places really penalize you if you're out of the uh, 48 states. That is true. Many sites do not ship internationally. I don't know if the big box camera stores here in the U.S. ship outside the U.S. Uh, most uh, sites, they, some sites also have minimum shipping. So Minimum yeah. or the infamous handling yeah. fee. The, the, the most astonishing thing I see in the FPP online store is when William is processing an order and it's shipping from New Jersey to, let's say, Ohio, and someone ordered a few rolls of film and shipping is like $2.48. <laughs> amazing. The shipping, we've, we've been getting kudos for our shipping. I just want to pass it along that we will ship everywhere. Hey, we're back. Leslie and I were talking about how we love vintage photography magazines. Love them. And I whipped out uh, a copy of Practical Photography because last show, last episode, we spoke uh, in detail about infrared <laughs> photography. And I did a search on the internet and someone recommended, highly recommended, uh, this issue of Practical Photography, June 2001. It has a whole spread on the different infrared films that were available in 2001. So I went on eBay and there was one available. And it has a bunch of articles about, you know, from folks who shoot infrared film and then it has like little showcase pieces on the actual film stock for example i found it invaluable i found myself reading this on the plane as i was heading to florida to shoot infrared (laughs) photography real nerd type stuff you know i'm on the plane reading about a vintage photography magazine (laughs) right it says take control choosing the right infrared gear and just shows you everything you need the filters the scissors the the black bag And then it talks about uh, Kodak high-speed infrared, which is... Is that a black and white film? Yes, it is. Yes. That's the HIE? That's the HIE. Uh, There's a little article, a little blurb on Konica. Uh Uh-oh. Mark's pointing to it. (laughs) There's a full-page ad for a a Samsung digital camera that looks like the size of the page it's printed on. Uh, The Digimax 2001. 1.3 no, uh, there's no way. 2.1 megapixels. 2.1, there yeah. we go. Is that, is that big? For 2001, that's okay. That's, 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 that's not bad, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a little spread on the Konica 750NM. Mm-hmm. Is that nanometers? Yep. Yep, shot that stuff. Yeah. Uh, the Ilford SFX200, which is still made. Yep. Mm-hmm. Kodak Ektachrome Professional Infrared EIR, which this is a 200. Well, I've been using the high-speed 400. Uh, and it's just kind of awesome when you kind of get into a sort of niche area of photography. More likely than not, you will be able to find a vintage mag that has a whole spread on your thrill. Meaning, <laughs> I mean, when you get into something like you know a particular camera or a particular type of photography, you kind of want to absorb everything that exists and to kind of find a vintage magazine that has an article about a specific camera you're using or type of film is kind of a real thrill and of course it'll cost you almost nothing this was uh, a few dollars on ebay and just a few more dollars to ship mm-hmm. and then i have it and you can too leslie uh, are there any vintage mags in particular that you kind of gravitate towards or just generally speaking you love it's them? it's funny that you went at it from a research point that you were looking for a particular article or information and i buy them uh usually in bulk i like a lot 
of them, and uh, I like U.S. Camera. Mm-hmm. From the 50s and the 60s, there's always a ton of good darkroom work in there. Right. And then I look in the back at the ads, which is wonderful, and then I see some camera in there I think I must have, and I search it out on eBay. Uh, Peterson's Photographic mm-hmm. for the 70s, uh, just into the beginning of the 80s, is also a favorite. Recently, I started picking up just a few camera shoppers, and they're, for the most part, just simply advertisements for shows, but there's always one feature article in it about a nice, lovely vintage camera uh, or process from anything from uh, something as modern as the 70s to back to daguerreotype cameras. My last great, great find was 98 Peterson Photographic magazines for a little of nothing. It cost 20-some dollars to ship it because that was one heavy box. (laughs) But I'm still not through them yet, which is wonderful. I try to pace myself. I I just adore that old vintage stuff going through it. A lot of information there, Mm -hmm. just exactly. Mark, what's your tease? (laughs) (laughs) applesauce (laughs) what you like like old magazines like you have in the studio you have one or two floating around from like 64 Mm -hmm. yeah i've got the yeah 62 63 i've got a few issues of um modern photography modern photography Um, yeah u.s cameras also another and the ones i've got actually they're really interesting because they're uh, um must be the end must be mid 63 because one of them is talking about the new polaroid 100 camera that's just come out (laughs) which is a really fascinating article it's a huge review on that and then one of them one of them is the the slr issue and one of them is the rangefinder issue and it goes over basically every slr camera that you can buy at that time. At that time, in the, in the mid-60s, and every rangefinder that you can buy with big pull-out charts of comparisons of features and lenses, and it's really fascinating because I, I love, you know, 40s, 50s, you know, early 60s stuff, right. so that's, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun to read those. Matt, you want in on this conversation? Sure. I, there is one uh, magazine. Now, it's not as vintage as the ones you guys are talking about, but I do... Not really collect, but I pick them up when I can find a good price on them or just free. I pick up old cam- old uh, issues of View Camera, which okay. is the, you know, the large format uh, publication. It hasn't really changed. Really clean, black and white. They try, they try to keep it low on the number of ads, but there's always a ton of inspiring work in there. A lot of photographers I look up to in just about every issue. And just some really, really cool work. You can always find inspiration. And it's always it always puts a smile on my face when I pick up an old issue from the late 80s, early 90s and for something that's not even made anymore or just like had a very short life, you know, is in, the, in photography. Is that magazine still in publication? It is. In fact, uh, if you look at the October issue from uh, 2013, you'll you'll find some of my work in there. Oh, get out of here. Uh, yeah. No yeah. way. No, yeah. For, for real? Yeah, some of my work with the uh, X-ray film is in there. Oh. So. Yeah, I guess I'm putting out a plug for View Camera. <laughs> Man, that's boss. I didn't know about that. You, do you own the issue? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They sent me a couple. You, don't months, ha- you have so. it with you? No, no, no. Yeah, I just carry it. Oh, oh by the way. <laughs> I just happen to have it here tattooed to my chest. Yeah. <laughs> 995, you can have one, too. Yeah. Hey, when we come back, we're going to be having our Olympus XA Palooza. We'll be right back. This Polaroid instant camera actually has a computer inside. It works out the exposure. You don't need a light meter. You don't have to measure distance either. The focusing's done for you. And you don't worry about light. The built-in flash gets you just the right amount. That's it. Just press the button. There you are in 90 seconds. Razor-sharp image and bright, lasting colors. Polaroid. Just press the perfect pictures. 
Hey, this is Michael Rosso, host of the Film Photography Podcast, and a huge thank you to folks out there who have donated to the FPP over the last few months or year. All of us here at the Film Photography Podcast are volunteers, and that's why we ask you to donate. If you love the FPP and really dig the podcast and continued blogs, videos, then please consider donating to the Film Photography Project, and you could do so very easily by either finding a camera, a film camera that works, and consider donating it to the show. Do you have any excess film that you're not shooting? Or if you can make a contribution, you can easily do that on the FPP Film Photography Project site and click Donate. Everything that's received is used for the Film Photography Project and its podcast for our monthly giveaways and any monies that are made in the FPP store just fuel the podcast. Let's keep these shoes going. The Film Photography Podcast. It's here for you. Mm, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Hey, we're back. Hey, by the way. Wait, before, yeah. before we come back. Yes. <laughs> um, I, since I, I you were recording when I got here, but I don't know, uh, I brought some stuff to talk about because uh, I talked about my stuff yesterday. Then when I wasn't expecting to be here, oh, so I don't have any new stuff to talk about. But I had the new view. But I also brought oh good my Pentax sixty seven and a six X seven okay six by seven. Let's do it the next show. Okay. Did you take the uh, the Nikon APS home? Yeah. Oh, in the lens. The, yeah. Lens too. Pronia. Okay, you gonna check that out? Yeah, actually, I, I meant to bring it back today, but I. Low. No, you don't have to bring it back today. I'm curious. Well, if, I, I meant to bring it in to shoot with it. Do those lenses interact interact with any other cameras? I wonder because they have no. A, they uh, are APS Nikon Pronia lenses. Yeah. Okay. Here's one of the greatest little gadgets a camera fan can own: the battery test light that checks your flash batteries to make sure there's enough power to set off your flash bulb. Before you load film into your camera, put the battery test light in the reflector. And click the shutter. That bright glow of light tells you your flash equipment's as dependable as your GE flash bulbs. It means no more missing those once-in-a-lifetime pictures because your flash gun batteries are dead. And here's what does it. A GE battery test light. And it's yours free when you buy a dozen GE flash bulbs. Either number fives or Powermite M2s. Just look for these displays at the camera corner of your favorite store. Get your GE flash bulbs and reach for your GE battery test light. And remember, it's free when you buy a dozen GE flash bulbs. So get yours in a hurry while they last. Hey, we're back. Hey, this is a combo segment, our new segment called What's in the Box? Oh, that's a good box. Get a grip, get a grip. What's in the box, which is going to... Sounds like jasmine incense. Tra- transition into our XA Palooza Olympus cameras. This is bo- is there, was there a note in there? Yeah, who's, who's I didn't box find from? one. I didn't... What's on the... Yeah, here's a note here. It says, to Mark... <laughs> Uh, who's it, who's it from? <laughs> who's it? Yeah, yeah. Who's it from? It is from J. Drake. Oh, J. Drake. First initial J. J. Where, what, what state? Starfur, Florida. Florida. Oh, very nice. Thank you, J. Drake. Uh, by the way, um, we we rely upon uh, not only you listening, but, of course, helping out the FPP by donating. That could be in the way of a cash contribution, product contribution. Uh, you could write a blog. Um, there's just a, a many things you could do for the FPP. Uh, mostly we want to hear from you. Uh, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. There's a donate button on the top of our website, upper right, filmphotographyproject.com. These folks are going through this box like, like I don't know. Like, this is crazy. Like sharks. 
Like that that is a rare film right there. Am I correct? What film? <laughs> <laughs> this this box looks like it should have some tech pan in it, it but does. it does not. Uh, oh, I know. Oh, look at that. Oh, there's oh. there's some what? tech pan. You here. can have that. There's tech pan 120 take, in here, which is that. fantastic. Yeah, I've never even seen this. <laughs> Do, they, Do you like the tech pan as well? I love the tech pan. Oh, will you shoot it? Of course, oh, there's I more of it. Oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, this is from this is from 2002. Sorry. This stuff's great. Oh my god. Like, I didn't even care what the date was. Well, look at all this crazy stuff. There, this is a box, a kind of a goodie box of film. This is sort of like the film equivalent of the box with all the candies in it. Yeah. Those are good, aren't they? The you know what? I don't like pineapple, but I'm into the lump. They're pa- pretty good, right? Uh, they're Pascal, pretty, uh, pineapple. You know I'll, I'll lumps. These taste like Charleston I'll tell you what I said yesterday. They're like pineapple Charleston. I didn't hear you because I was sleeping. I'll trade two lumps for a Tim Tam. Deal. <laughs> What's this? That is. What is that? That's their name? faux. That's their faux infrared film. They still make that new as well. Shoot that with a filter. Shoot it with Shoot a red filter. filter. Yeah. I'm just. Yeah, because the box says it's so. What does the box people say? People can't who can't see the box I'm holding up. Ilford SFX 200, and mm-hmm. it says black and white film for special effects. Oh, so I wondered what the special effect was. Ugh. That's insane. Yeah. Plus all these like blank canisters. It's like there's a little mystery. What's in the can? What's in the can? What's in the can? I wish folks Outdated listening could film. could be know? here. <laughs> Just to kind of go through. Oh. Africa AP. What's so special about that Nothing. one? Nothing. This okay. is like the best Christmas. Actually, this Africa color right here, this XRS, the was the most, the 100, the 200, the most fantastic film, I think, for redheads. Is that right? Redhead skin is so pale. delicate and pale. <laughs> if there's freckles on it, you know. How it reproduces redheads is fantastic. Is right? And just you a, have a redheaded niece. Oh, I sure do. Yep. All right. Well, you're going to take a roll. Miss Hannah. Is that Ectochrome Elite? Never yes. heard of that one. Oh, Elite Chrome. Yeah. Elite Chrome. The last Ectochrome was mm-hmm. Elite Family. Yeah. Now, what? You but know, what's nice they, about they this just took mark? it down to We're not done talking about Elite. box yet. Yeah. There's okay. a second layer. I know. Oh, there is. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know there's a second layer. Oh my gosh, yes. What's in the What's in the second layer? It's mostly sensitive. Sensia. Wow. This is recording. Oh no, it's not. What is twenty four seventy five? This is insane. Who's that one? Oh, royal gold. royal gold. Royal Classic. gold. Classic. Royal gold. Royal gold. One thousand. Ooh. Uh, you, this is really funny. This recording film recording I have actually has a retail sticker on it. Now, why the heck? You guys can sit here all day. We could. Oh, yeah. Stop. Oh, here's some more. Look what I found. Look what, what did you find? Ah, oh, yes. T-Max was Classic. This, recently, this is recently discontinued That was discontinued. Well, no, that was discontinued. In, oh, 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 in 120, right. it was discontinued a couple years ago. Yeah. And then Kodachrome. Yeah. Kodachrome. I never got to shoot with Kodachrome. I've really never seen anything like this before. It's crazy, yeah. It's definitely it's like one of our. Box at work. It's this like the great. most fun compacted yeah. into one box. It's sort of like getting it. a box of candy without the legend. There's tons of this recording film. Shoot this, is good stuff. Shoot this with your redhead. You'll oh. love now, it. what is the recording film? That this is. You know, didn't they use this also for um, uh, surveillance? This this is used because I just bought a, a hundred foot. Oh no no. No, not a spool. I bought a, a box of fifty sheets of four by five of this. Sheets. sheets. It's uh, it's supposed to be super fine grain for doing uh, co- negative copies. Copy work? Copy work? Yeah. Oh, so it's continuous tone okay, film. So okay, so let's put the box yeah. aside. Okay. Oh. Let's take out the XAs. Got it. We're talking about all the films of the week for the next year. Yeah. Okay. And we, we can go through this later. Sure. Give it out. <laughs> now, in this box by Jay Drake, mm-hmm. we have uh, a bunch of cameras. Our big giveaway this week is the Olympus XA. Our, our grand prize winner will... Uh, win the XA1, correct? Is it's referred to as an XA. Yeah, there XA. is an XA1 that's a real oh. little pip. Uh, not so good, meaning. Yeah, yeah, it was the original XA. So this is the original XA. XA. Mm-hmm. 
Rangefinder yeah. focusing, f-stop selection, backlight override. And three lucky runners-ups will win an XA2. Now, this is a Olympus, what's known as a cult camera. And when, when we took them out of the box... Two of them. Uh, yeah, both Leslie and Matt started just talking like in tongues. Like, blah, 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 blah. like you guys <laughs> knew a lot about the Olympus XA. Who wants to take it away? Well, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. You know, it was their first clamshell. You guys seem excited about this camera. Oh, yeah. Well, there. whenever I had free time, uh, when I still lived in Finley, and I was downtown, I would always pop into Leslie's shop, uh, go over to the Mecca, and I knew there was one of five cameras I could grab throw a roll of 35 through it real quick and it was always either the XA or the XA4 just because they were great little cameras. The XA is a little more street style. It's got the rangefinder focusing on it. The XA4 is if I wanted to do any close-up stuff because it had a macro feature on it, which was pretty and it cool. it was a 24 wide-angle natural. Yeah, and it was a nice wide-angle lens, too. Mm-hmm. So. It's my favorite. So it was XA, XA2, mm-hmm. XA3. The, the 3 uh, was renamed into, I think... Wish I could remember the two or the one. There was never really a, a there's three. A piece, there's a piece of literature for three, but it morphed into. And then it was a four, an actual four. four. XA four, the macro. You see the XA two. Am I correct in saying you see the XA two all over the place? All over the yeah. place. Yeah. Why is that? Uh, cheapest, most cheapest. Um, the XA one with the little ring around the lens, all kind of thing. That was mm-hmm. the very cheapest. Okay. Those are nothing. But the XA two, just the zone focus. I mean, you could override your exposure because you still select the film speed. Yeah, so you could do it that way. There's one. three or four, f- three flashes, I think, available. The 16, the A16, the A11, and the AL1. Does that A of the little sidecar flash? Does that little sidecar flash fit yes. on all of the yes, XAs? Yes, they're all yes, interchangeable. Yeah. And what's the difference between the XA2 and the XA? You guys had said that this one is special because. The XA, the original. Yeah. You can actually select your f-stop. Oh, is that right? So it's aperture priority. And it's, well, it's um, a rangefinder. It's a yeah. rangefinder yeah. focus. So it's an actual rangefinder yeah. right there. Mm-hmm. And you select your f-stop, and you can also, you also select your, your film speed right there. And a very quick uh, backlight uh, override on yep. the bottom of the camera. Right there, so it adds a stop and a half for backlight. Mm-hmm. And the best part, it's a 35mm f2.8, which is just oh. awesome for yes. a little point and shoot like is this. Is the XA2 a 2.8? Oh, I see. And this is a price difference, I would imagine. Yes, a huge price difference, just because of the popularity uh, of this among street photographers and just oh, folks that, photographers. that love they just love point that. and shoot cameras in general. Right. So. I think the XA2s you can get for 10 bucks on eBay. They, the XAs go for 80 to 100. Oh, yeah, 100 say, yeah, usually. 70, yeah. 80. Yeah. Exactly. What was the pr- when The, the XA- fours usually crowd, they're well they get up there. Yeah. When the XA2 was in stores, was the XA still available? Yes. And the price difference at the time of... I don't remember. Not Actually, as much as it is thank now. Thank goodness that was before my time. This is it's 80s? Something here before my time. <laughs> what, what year? The 70s, early 80s. Okay. Right after that, we started into stylus. The, oh, yeah. Uh, not trips, but uh, uh, stylus. 5 ALs. Yes. That type of thing. What makes this camera so popular today? The incredible glass. Is that right? Yeah. The, sharp. It, incredibly sharp. Uh, I think... Every time I used the XA4 from Leslie, uh, I shot it just about wide open every time. It is incredibly sharp. And we don't have batteries in these right now, but the shutter is incredibly This one has battery in it. Sensitive. No, I took it Oh, we have no batteries in? Yeah. As I call it, it's the tiny yeah. tick. It's, it, it's a little thwip. Just okay. a, little, a little thwip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's very easy to accidentally... Does the flash take a separate battery? Double A. Yeah. We can't, oh, there are two A11s? There's in two A11s in there. Yeah. You know, I really want to thank a, I was, I really want to thank Jay Drake. This is quite a box, eh? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, Mark and I will be back later. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I like about them is that you don't have to take the flash with you. No. So it makes them incredibly tiny. But the, the, the amount of 
features on it for a 35 millimeter for something that small. It's great. Now, when you have the flash on, does it just snap into some flash mode? Is there like a flash? You, you choose to turn your flash on. It's right there at the bottom, right down and here. And once you turn your flash on, what happens to your aperture and your shutter? Does it for you. Oh, it does. Yeah. There's a distance uh, suggestion of where your f- the two different flashes on the back. Mm-hmm. So you oh, know where at you're that. at with the XA, with F-stops. Yeah, yeah, Here's yeah. Here's just all automatic. Mm-hmm. This is firing up. Um, it is. I need batteries in it to... to and the, a, the A11, the A16 is a slightly more powerful flash. A16, right? yeah. Yeah. physically it's bigger, a little, too. It's a little bigger, yeah. Because I've, I've got one of each. And then the mm-hmm. A... The AL or the A1L, I'm not sure which one, um, is the lithium one. That's the one to kind of avoid because that's a built-in lithium battery, so you're going to have mm. to take it apart to change mm-hmm. it if you want to go to that uh, hassle. It's not necessary. You can get these two. They made that AL, the lithium version, mm-hmm. to come out with the um, the XA1, the least expensive one. Everything was automatic, built-in. Why did, Why in heaven's name did they call it the XA1 when it really wasn't XA? Shouldn't they call it like the X? A A. <laughs> I think you're probably talking to the wrong people. Oh, okay. You have to talk to the <laughs> marketing department. Uh-huh. They probably thought the lower people would think that the if they named it the XA5, it would be a more feature full version. Right. Yeah, oh, I see. Mm-hmm. They should have called like the XA minus one. There you go, <laughs> sub yeah. one. Yeah, sub the one. XA2 Junior. See, that's what happens. Yeah. We're, we're giving away these XA cameras this week on the Film Photography Podcast. If you go to filmphotographyproject.com, uh, there's a drop-down that's called Giveaways. Or I think you could just go filmphotographyproject.com forward slash giveaways, and you will come to the, the page where you'll see what we're giving away. If you're listening to this show in an archive, you can still go to the page because you'll see whatever is currently being given away. But if you'd like an XA for yourself and you want to hear the mighty... Oh, how'd you get that? Well, you just put some batteries in it. I put some batteries in it. The mighty, tiny... She's a witch. Tiny so, <laughs> so, two lucky people. The first lucky person is going to get the XA. Yes. The second lucky person is going to get the XA2. Both have flashes. The less lucky people will still get an XA, <laughs> XA2, no flash. And a fourth lucky person, not so lucky, will get an XA2, <laughs> no flash. Of course, there'll be a roll of film with each one when we give away camera. It'll be loaded with batteries, ready to go. And of course, you can send them if you want to uh, win it. You do have to go to our giveaway page. Uh, it'll be in our show notes. Show notes is filmphotographypodcast.com. Click the podcast button. And You'll see all of our shows. You'll see, uh, you can go to our uh, show note page, show notes written by our good friend Alex Lauks. So please do get in on that. And now the results of our photographic competition. And to present the prizes, Lord Litchfield. Third prize, Automatic Olympus XA1 with the Zyco lens. Tony Lupton, Mittens and Muff. Second prize, the more sophisticated XA2. Frank Hamilton, Sunset over Stevenage. First prize, and fittingly top of the XA range, the XA itself, Ron Digsworth, Marie. Congratulations, Ronald. Ron Digsworth? Who's he? The 35mm XA range from Olympus. Hey, we're back. You know, something that that we never talk about only because you know here at the FPP this is like the bunker yeah seriously bunker. like yeah. the big bad wolf will not be able to blow this house in no way although I do have to worry about neighbors <laughs> <laughs> once I swear to god I was I was here I was here late night developing, and I hear keys in the door it's like I go over I actually open the door the locksmith for the building is standing there what's up 
He says, oh, man, I thought you moved. Now, it just so happens that the second lock, the, the deadlock on the FPP door, isn't an in-house lock. So he, the locksmith, didn't have a master key to get into the FPP. The, the point is that you never know when people are going to like start, you know, breaking into your stuff. Yeah. No, you never do. You just don't know. No. You know, so Matt and Leslie have been both beaten and battered. <laughs> Lately. <laughs> That's one way to put it. You know, and gotten your stuff stolen. So, guys, how about you, Mark? Have you been stolen? I've never been stolen. Great. Who wants to take it away? Uh, I can start. Sure. So, uh, one of my uh, welcomings to Columbus. <laughs> hey, welcome to Columbus. Give me your stuff. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. They have a great amount of car theft, and I had some stuff stolen from my car. Broad daylight. <laughs> How does it get into your car? All the smash and grab kind of thing. Oh. So, yeah, like both uh, both driver's side windows crash in. Both. A little unnecessary. One on the way in, one on the way out. Must have been. Yeah, it was just, yeah. Fortunately, you know, if you if you have things registered the right way, things set up the right way, the law will be on your side and you can potentially even get some of your stuff back. I got uh, over half my stuff back as a result oh. of one thing, uh, folks, you should do, especially if you have some value in your equipment, whether it's made anymore or not, just a good idea. Write down your serial numbers. Take yep. photographs of yourself and your your equipment. If, well, wait, you, you have to be in the shot with it? You don't have to be, but it, it's just... It's more better. of an ID. For, for insurance purposes, it's great. To, I mean... Distinguishing you know, I, marks. Yeah, I thought it was. Tattoos. I thought it was always <laughs> ridiculous how we would have a million pictures of ourselves after meetups. But you know how great those were to the insurance company. Oh, for real? <laughs> they ah. loved them because there's there's no there's no way that they can say yeah you don't own this camera because there's a million different shots from other people taken. Right. That have me and the known equipment right. in there. So serial numbers, you and your equipment, uh, the equipment itself. Of course, original receipts, but you know those get lost. Yeah. So if you have a way to do those, there's a couple different kinds of insurance depending on what kind of photographer you are if this is completely a hobby for you either your renters or your homeowners insurance will cover Mm -hmm. a vast majority of any lost lost or stolen goods if you run a business uh, your business insurance will cover it or if you are a member of professional uh, ppa or what or whatever uh, professional photographers of your state is they have uh, free insurance policies that cover up to ten thousand dollars worth of equipment if you opt for an additional service they'll cover up to like thirty thousand in gear so your business insurance plan will cover that. If you kind of dip your toes in both water, um, your homeowners, renters will, will only cover a certain amount of your equipment up up through that if it's used for business. But uh, no matter what, if you have those look into uh, protecting your gear, it's a very, very small cost for what could be full replacement Yep, on your gear when it's gone. But Marking down your serial numbers also helps in the, you know, recovering lost goods. I was able to recover, like I said, 60% of my gear because do you it, think it's because it's film gear if it was digital gear do you think it would be less recoverable oh definitely mm. yeah indefinitely yeah right if if it was not the 8x10 <laughs> yeah it w- there's no way it would have been you know as easily recovered because someone gets film gear in their hands and like the heck is this <laughs> I can attest. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That leads right into Leslie's story. <laughs> yeah. So um, in a way, film gear is a, is a little more theft proof. Yeah. If you have insurance on it, like I said, it's a real nice way to protect yourself. And, you know, even if it's uh, a portion of what you paid for it, it's getting uh, getting some of that recovered is always a good thing. Also, I wanted to add, you, you, you're talking about getting serial numbers. I don't, 
I've never had this problem with cameras, but I do deal with the music, musical instruments, oh, a lot of which don't high, have highly highly pawned like items. Yeah, but you also want to get when you take you can take a picture of it, but get a picture of any distinguishing features. Exactly. If there's a particular dent that the yep. camera has, a particular scratch, because um, I've we, you know there are story you know pretty much every musician has done it at some point identified their instrument through a particular wear pattern or a particular piece of grain and then also on vintage instruments that are maybe rare or hard to put a value on too I keep an eye on eBay and if I see something that's the same as what I've got sell like actually this new view I, f- I saw one that sold on eBay exactly the same as mine for 325 or something whoa I um, printed that page out and that piece of paper oh. is now filed in my safe and so now, if I ever now that's your value on that I know what the appraisal is on it so Wow. So I have that for many, many of my weird instruments and things that I, I keep that filed away. Uh, before we uh, jump over to Leslie to talk about her theft, <laughs> did you ha- do you have any musical instrument theft stories? Not personally. I I mean, I own a guitar store. I buy and sell used instruments. Um, you buy stolen instruments? <laughs> well, unfortunately, <laughs> over the years, it's happened a couple of times where the cops, you know, kick the door in and say, all right, freeze, bunk. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've I've bought stuff that it's, it's you didn't know you didn't know where yeah obviously I didn't know and I I gave it back and I you know I I lose the money and that's it but right. that happens and at the same time I do get shoplifters most of the time they're dumb enough to sell the stuff to the pawn shop that's three hundred feet down the street so I get it back because I'm friends with them right but uh, but yeah I, I mean I, yeah so I lose it either way that way but um, yeah luckily none of my personal stuff has ever been stolen that's usually do you know of any stories of like famous rock musicians like Bond. Bon Jovi, John, or any of these guys that <laughs> have gotten their stuff stolen? Yeah. I mean, pretty much every every major rock star at some point has lost instruments. There, there's actually a really cool uh, uh, Bob Dylan guitar that's on display at Sotheby's right now. It's going up for auction, and it was uh, an electric guitar that he played at... Um, I'm blanking, not Monterey, uh, in the 60s. And he left. He had a private plane, and he left it on the plane. Stoops. And, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the pilot or, or one of the... One of the guys who worked there found this guitar afterwards and, and emailed, or emailed, this was the 60s, <laughs> and telegraphed, uh, hey, you left your guitar on the plane, and apparently they, they never got back to him, so this guy just had it in the closet for the last 50 years. Wow. And it's, it's got, it's this guitar in the case with the rusty strings that Dylan played with handwritten lyric sheets in the case Jeez. and everything that's going up for auction. You know, so yeah, stuff gets Dylan lost. Dylan can't get and, it back? Well, there, <laughs> was, there was some legal wrangling as to who exactly owned the guitar. Oh, but they too were, much time has passed? Well, you would think the statute of limitations would run out on it. But uh, yeah, they, they actually were able to prove that they had tried to contact them and they, and they never responded. So. Wow. But I think there is some splitting of the proceeds and some charities and this and that involved, you know. Uh, Leslie, what kind of crime has found its way to you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was Peeper Bob from up the street. It was just working it. But I don't normally leave both cars out overnight on the driveway, but I did. Uh, and it didn't really matter because the one car is an electronic lock. And if I don't remember to lock it, in a few seconds, it locked yeah, itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that had an Olympus OM2 black body with an original Winder one on it. And Glass shattered? No, he opened it electronically. How? Uh, they had these little devices, and Is they just right? went down the street. And 
do and they, I didn't realize like they have codes? It, I, like, uh, I'm not sure how it's get, like, done. It's a frequency, right? Yeah, it's, it's, not, a frequency. it's not very James Bond. It's Yeah, yeah and I watched, uh, you know, because the local lock shop didn't know anything about it or the Lincoln dealership. And so I Googled it, of course, and I've watched people just kind of go up and down the street and they walk and all at once the lights come on in a car and they've, you know, bingo, they've hit it. The Google. They so, do it with garage doors, too. They have just see, a shoebox full of garage door openers. Exactly, and I'm thinking, so why is it bother? Yeah. Why bother? But anyway... Uh, he stole my styrofoam cup of change in there for the toll road and my Olympus OM2N. And uh, the Jeep is a Wrangler. It has vinyl windows. You just unzip them. And, yes, he did get into that, too. But you Oh, know, same guy, both cars. Well, sure, he got them both. But, you know, you don't leave anything in a Jeep that you don't want stolen within the time it takes to unzip. Right. Yeah, so, you know, he was in there, but there was nothing there. I actually left and went to work and come back and thought, wait a minute, maybe because my garage door opener is in the car he broke into. Oh. So why not just reach up, punch it, and come in and go, oh, booger's in my house right now. I went back, and that's when I saw the Olympus camera in the front yard. And it was all frost-covered with its lovely 24-millimeter lens. And I have processed the film. He didn't take a picture of himself. But I thought, oh, the wonders <laughs> of digital. He found out it was film, and he left it. He's going to chuck it in the yard and moved on. At least he didn't have, yeah. like, uh, you know, a mean... Nasty, right, like, through like, the street. like smash it, throw it through a window. No, yeah. I don't think Peeper Bob's kind of like that. But um, uh, Peeper Bob is a generic term, or is this no, an actual we're Finlay? Pretty sure that this, yeah, he lives in the next association over, and kind of likes to sit in backyards and peep. <laughs> oh, okay. So and steal? Uh, I think so. Yeah, but just for change. Oh, we'll get a cash. Moves on. That's really, I think, all he was after. Hit the hit the neighbor's car too. And Did they come and brush your car for prints? No. no. Not for forty-seven cents. Oh, gotcha. So the my electronics still aren't perfect. The neighbor can't open his driver's side because he jimmied the electronics right. with that too. Now, if there so was something, anyway, if there's yeah. something of value in your car, like I don't know if you would file a claim for the Olympus camera, but if you you could have through homeowners, correct? The homeowners, yes, yep. or, or exactly. possibly even my auto or renters insurance. insurance. Yeah, renters is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always like all I've ever heard about folks having renters insurance is other than it being like an extra cost nuisance. It's always a benefit to have. And so, if you have something particularly valuable, you may have to get a separate rider. So if you you know if you own yeah. a ten thousand dollar camera, you should right. mention that to the and insurance I, company. Typically, and it might I wouldn't be, leave that in the car overnight anyway. But well, so. just in, if someone breaks into your house, so right. oh, like sure, I have a, sure. I have insurance for the studio. But I have separate riders for like my piano and you know yeah for high value items yeah yeah. yes done that with my cameras as well yeah yeah it's always a good idea and honestly for what all the folks at home giving the audible groan when they hear how much those those insurance policies cost you know some of the professional insurance with the professional photographers can be upwards of six eight hundred dollars a year but you think about that cost uh, over the course of time especially if you're in a place that's a high crime area it's already paid for itself the first time you you post a claim on those policies and peace of mind too yes yeah so, uh, you know what, FPP guys and gals say, get insurance. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, Definitely. you may have yeah. it already, but if you don't... And you probably already have those policies in place. You just don't even know it's right. available to your gear, so look into that. Yeah, yeah contact mm-hmm. your agent. And if you're shooting professionally or if you're shooting... Uh, oh, definitely. If you're a... Uh, uh, event shooter. Yeah, if I mean, you're taking you, money for your photography, you oh, should definitely yes. have yeah, it. Because the stuff's in your car. It's at it's at halls. I mean, stuff sitting there. You can walk away a second, come back, it's gone. Well, professional photographer insurance too covers something that's not talked about a lot, but is right. becoming a bigger issue.
issue now, especially in the world of digital. For wedding shooters, the professional photographer insurance also covers brides that sue photographers for <laughs> for ruining their wedding. No, you have you ruined my wedding. Yeah, it, they, I think it covers up to a hundred thousand dollars of of reshooting a wedding oh for a bride. I know that sounds like a nightmare, but that it's actually happening more frequently. Yeah. I know about this is a separate topic. Uh, digital shooters, uh, we've talked about it before. Brides who want to chimp. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They want to like see your shots. Oh, it's crazy! Yeah, that's nuts. It is. That's kooky. Should have other things to worry about. I just I thought of some, one other thing too. <laughs> Talking about insurance uh, is most people who have these know this, but um, certain credit cards yes. give you automatic insurance. Yes, as they well. do. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we'll be right back. Patrick Fifth Earl of Litchfield is also a professional photographer. Even when he's not working, he likes to keep his hand in with the Olympus XA2. It's so fast, it doesn't miss a shot. There's no lens cap or case. Just slide back the cover and shoot. The XA2 has a 35mm Zico lens. Simple focusing, automatic exposure, and a flash unit. The Olympus XA2. What a pro uses when he's not taking pictures. Hey, we're back. Hey, I want to thank everyone for joining us for the show. If you want to send us a note, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Inked to paper. You could uh, uh, send us some stuff in the mail. A note, uh, P.O. Box 152, Butler, New Jersey, 07405. Our show notes online, filmphotographyproject.com. Click podcast, and you'll see the various episodes. And you have the show notes. And, of course, if you want to, like, you know, we have our 100th show anniversary coming up. Wouldn't it be great to hear from you? You can call in and leave a message that we will play on the show. This is a one-way call. No one will be calling you back. No one live will be picking up the phone. It is simply a recording device. And you could dial area code 973-850-6330. As John would say, slow down! 973-850-6330. Call that number. Leave like a, leave like a happy birthday message. For the FPP. Or your uh, credit card number. How about a, a message about, you know, what you enjoy about the FPP? A congratulatory to us. like Hey, guys. Congratulations on your 100th issue of the FPP. Sing a song. Read a poem. <gasps> oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Keep it short. <laughs> <laughs> You've got 30 seconds. <laughs> so uh, we're going to be leaving you now. How about a song from Darren Riley? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you always say. I know. It's okay. So I'm, I'm Darren. I'm going to Darren. If you're listening, I'm going to be putting a uh, greatest hits together for mm-hmm. Leslie and Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have one too, Mark. Uh, I'm putting it on CD. You know, I'm going to burn them a CD for personal use only. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't listen to enough Pancho. That's the problem. Yeah, well, I got I, I know all the good ones. No okay. pockets, uh, dead Jennifer, uh, you, uh, building a human, human robot, whatever that's called. <laughs> hey, we'll be back in two weeks. The soup song. Yes.